millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Leila Latif. I'm David Jenkins. And I'm Cheyenne Bonsey. On the show this week, Shazam returns to face the fury of the gods, Peckham proves the perfect place to fall in love in Rye Lane, and I spoke to the stars of this wonderful new romantic comedy, and on Film Club, it's a return to British comedy in Bargies on the Beach, all coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Hello, hello. Good to see you both on this wonderful strike-filled day, all safe in our homes. <laughs> So great to have you back, Che. It's been a while. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a while, but it's nice. It's really, it's always nice. Nice to see you guys. <laughs> so for those who uh, perhaps don't have as good a memory as me, could you do a little re-intro to yourself? Who are you and what is it that you do? Yes, uh, I'm Cheyenne. Uh, I am a movie writer, so I'm a copywriter in my in my full-time job serious things and then on the side I am a writer for different publications so again I do writing in my full-time and then in my part-time I also write but tell people what to watch and what not to watch well you know what they say if you find something that you love you'll set zero boundaries and take all your failures very personally (laughs) yeah that old chestnut (laughs) Uh, David it's good to see you too you're looking very fresh because I suppose because the new issue's gone to print and you're no longer having to work on that 24 hours a day Oh, well, well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I would have thought I looked absolutely uh, haggard and, you know, you could see all the, the marks from where I was trying to claw my own eyes out. But no, no I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this uh, Zoom window is, is doing me proud. Yeah, no, we, 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 we've, uh, we've just been sort of tinkering away on a, on a new uh, issue of the print version of Little White Lies, uh, which we're, kind of lo- we're going to launch next week reason for for listeners to return next week to hear all about the new issue and what's going to be on the cover and who we're speaking to and i will say that this is like i'm trying to think but we we were when we sent it to press we were kind of having a bit of a think and we we all agree that this is potentially our most visually extra issue ever it's it's sort of borderline garish but i think we'd just save it it's very over the top visually but 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 kind of like hopefully sort of in a in a wow way rather than a blur way excited to see what people make of it <laughs> you haven't let us down yet so i'm sure you've managed to walk that tightrope but this is also 98 isn't it we're getting really close to 100 oh please please so this is this is my this is my wake, waking nightmare i'm i'm very nervous about about the 100th issue of little white lies and making sure it's up to snuff but you know suffice to say we are you know i am already working on it 
six months in advance and and you know have been thinking about it for even longer so yeah i'm 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 hoping we can kind of pull something out the bag with it but i mean the plan is to be for it to be something super special i can't really say more than that now i'm normally pretty good at getting uh, that out of them i must say but i will (laughs) leave you with your secrets the other thing i wanted to talk to you guys about was something that came up when i was interviewing kate hudson for this podcast when we were doing glass onion and she said that she wouldn't make rom-coms anymore because they've all got the same visual style nobody does anything interesting with them so she just kind of had no interest even though she loves the rom-com i mean we decry the kind of loss of the mid-budget movie which means that we don't get so many do you miss them do you want them to come back and if so like what would you like to be different yeah I would like to see them come back I I wouldn't describe myself as an absolute diehard but I am a fan of again it's mid-budget there's no you know like the whole world's not going to fall down and cave in and there's no one coming to kill us in the middle of the film it's just people falling in love and in all kinds of most of the time very silly ways and there's definitely room for that especially as Things that always feel very serious at the moment. So it's, you know, a levity that's needed and missed, I think. It's a strange flex, really, especially at a time when, like, I mean, the fact that that, that movie Ticket to Paradise was like a sleeper hit. Yeah. And it's kind of the second she, she uttered those words, the mid-budget, mature audience-focused rom-com made a, a massive return. And at the same time, I don't think they've ever... Has the rom-com ever been like visually interesting maybe when we get on to rye lane this week we can maybe get delve deeper into that because you know maybe it is the exception that proves the rule but like i mean i watched shotgun wedding i'm still alive <laughs> i'm sure everyone had fun doing that but <laughs> yeah but i think it was also just announced that nancy myers uh, her project at netflix has been cancelled so you know that that could have been a fluke that could have been a very brief revival of just shotgun wedding and uh, what was the other one ticket to paradise yeah, I mean, she was trying to get 150 million to make it, wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I feel with those films, you know, 90% goes on, on the actors and the, and the sort of the change that you find down the sofa is used to actually like make the movie. So that's that's the kind of economics. That's that's why Kate Hudson, then they're never going to look and feel great because like, you know, all the money's going on you and your, your, your trailers. Well take that uh, <laughs> Nancy Myers 150 million that's extraordinary okay well clearly that is not a mid-budget movie no, so another studio right, will make but, it hey we should get a move on because we've got a couple of films of mixed quality coming up Join our community of film lovers by becoming a Little White Lies member. You'll receive exclusive perks and an insider's view into the world of Little White Lies while directly supporting our independent film journalism. Search Little White Lies membership via your search engine and click through to our Steady HQ page for a detailed breakdown of the plans. Now on to the movies. Billy Batson and his foster siblings, who transform into superheroes by saying Shazam, are forced to get back into action and fight the Daughters of Atlas. They must stop them from using a weapon that could destroy the world. So David, we saw this a few days ago in a reasonably busy screening. It's very much supposed to be a kind of one of the funny superhero movies. I don't think I heard a single laugh the entire time. Did you? Well, you know, I, 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 I'm not sort of, I don't know. I mean, I, I was sort of like in the in the zone with the film, and I'm tr- I'm trying to think of the conditions. We, you know, we didn't necessarily have that many people like in close quarters, in sort of you know la- laughter hearing distance. I would say so. 
I don't want to sort of use that that sort of non-scientific way of judging the film. But I would say that I was sat next to you and you didn't laugh. So maybe as a, as a sample of one, that's, you know, that's probably, you know, we could, we could probably use that in some aspect. But no, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a strange one. It's like, I think that like within the, super, the world of superhero movies, and which, which have become their own genre, you know, we now have the sort of like, there, is, there are sort of sub-genres within superhero movies now where you have like, you do have the comedy one and the drama one and the, the horror one. And it feels like they're giganto brain engineer producer types who are, who are sort of overseeing all these corporate properties are trying to sort of build cinematic worlds inside their, 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 their little space that they have or, or, or actually it's quite a big space that they have. So like, you're, you, you know, you're not only serving the people who love superhero movies, but you're also kind of tapping into the, all these kind of genre enthusiasts as well. It's, I think it's a way of engineering like a, a, a sense of like, I'm seeing a different film every time, even though essentially you're not really, because it's usually the same plot, which I think, you know, this is the case. And I mean, I mean, it sounds very kind of like, let me explain to you this, but like the first Shazam, it was funny and, and amusing because it had this sort of concept at the center of it where you had a, a kid inside the body of an adult and uh, an adult character trying to sort of navigate this kind of complicated adult world of like saving the world and superheroes etc but you're kind of ma- you're made to feel aware of the fact that he- he's not actually an adult and he-, he doesn't actually have the apparatus to deal with all this stuff and in the new one we're just kind of like in at the deep end in fact Layla you, you know you'd said to me that you-, that you mentioned that you hadn't seen the first one and I-, and I actually thought from watching this film this new one that doesn't give you any kind of recap on the on the concept of the film whereas in the first one it's split pretty much 50-50 between the kind of young and old Shazam this one the, the young Shazam barely features in the film like he's you know he's in a, he's in a, a couple of scenes and, and that's it so you don't you know you don't get that sense of like you, you basically get the sense that Shazam is just an idiot and, and you really lose kind of empathy with him uh, whereas in the first one you kind of that's the reason why you had that empathy you kind of watch these films and you kind of you, you have to ask why is this why is this even this why is this why is this being been made and you kind of end end up at that kind of awful realization it's like oh because we've got some new baddies to kill and that's the that's the only reason like i mean like it's like oh let's just get some new baddies in and they can just fight the baddies and we're, we're done you know it's easy it's simple we can flat pack this yeah i mean jay when it comes to the baddies we've got helen mirren lucy Liu, and rachel ziegler as the daughters of atlas um did you find them kind of compelling foes to our young group of superheroes no uh because i i because I don't think that was the assignment. I don't think that was the brief. I mean, I feel like on paper, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu in particular as the bad guys, I think, yeah, you could definitely make something with that. Like Helen Mirren was clearly having a good time. Lucy Liu like is a really fun actress. And like, I feel like there was a lot she could have done if it was required. Generally, I kind of felt like kind of like David said they were just there to be like okay well we've got to beat some bad guys guess it's these ones and it was muddled motivations between why they were mad or what the fury was about 
Um, some of them are a bit more evil than the other ones. But again, it just wasn't super clear and kind of didn't really matter. So yeah, I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a, a waste of uh, all three of them, really, because Rachel Ziegler, I feel like at times she was a lot better than the film. I felt like I could see her trying to give some kind of depth to what was going on. But it was kind of like, no, this is all very silly. Don't forget it, it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it was a bit of a waste of, of them in general. And oddly enough, it kind of, without wanting to get into a whole DC versus Marvel thing, I found myself just daydreaming a little bit, kind of being like, whatever state the MCU is in, I at least miss them trying to give something to the villains. Even if we didn't like it, I respect the attempt. Whereas here, it kind of just felt like there was no attempt at all with these villains whatsoever. I mean, would you even call them villains? Because they don't, do they want much in the way of bad stuff to happen? It seems like actually their motives are pretty pure until these kind of slightly obnoxious superhero teens come along and steal their apple. I mean, I mean, it's literally that level of like, there's there's so little motive there. It's a shame though, because I mean, you know, like you'd hope that it would, that the film would be conscious enough to play on that ambiguity. And like, I guess you've got like, people like Thanos and like at least with him there is there is a sort of like ambiguity like moral ambiguity about like well I'm doing this for this reason and I think that the daughters of Atlas are doing something for 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 a reason which that which seems quite sort of morally sound like you know you you've you've done this awful stuff to us so we're going to do it to you it's like but the film never really plays on that or accepts their point of view it's just it just it's just sort of places them there as like okay, here are the bad guys we've got to destroy and this is how we're going to do it in in all these kind of quite sort of silly ways. Yeah, I feel like it was a film with a lot of exposition, but then at the same time, no clear explanation or understanding of the things that you needed in order to actually care about what was going on. I've got to bring up the product placement. I don't know that I've seen such brazen product placement in my entire life. They actually, not only do Skittles save the day, but they use the Skittles tagline, I think they say at least twice. I think beyond the word Shazam, it's probably the second most used phrase in the film. I always wonder about, you know, like as a critic, when you're watching a film, right, you you clock some like really, really brazen corporate branding in, in a film and, and, and product placement and I and I'm always like oh that's how, that's awful that's 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 done in a, such an inelegant way and it's it's so kind of like cravenly selling this product in the middle of this movie but like I, I always wonder like should I suppress the urge to talk about that because I'm becoming the sort of like the the the, the, the pied piper you know I'm the person who's like uh, it's worked on me I was like, it's, it's lo- their message is lodged in my brain and I'm telling all my followers now. So like, you know, people are going to be listening to this podcast and thinking, mm, I really fancy some Skittles now. Maybe, maybe not. They might think <laughs> that, yeah, they might actually be the opposite and go, well, now we know that Skittles are essentially begging for us to, to <laughs> buy them. We're not going to succumb and we're not going to give into that. Maybe I was going to have some Skittles this morning, but now I won't. So... Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to know how people think about these matters. But yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if, if there should be like a moratorium on critics acknowledging product placement in, 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 in reviews in public. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess it's just speaking to the kind of artless corporate nature of this, that it does feel like you're watching a product rather than a story. 
Because even things where it's kind of bringing in the Greek mythology of it all seems so lazy and half-hearted. At one point, they say that like, oh, our uncle Poseidon. And I was just like, that doesn't make any sense because he is not related to Atlas in that way. If he was your uncle, that would mean either Zeus or Hades would be your dad. So anyway. I like Greek mythology, so that was just a, a, a very slight quibble. But yeah, a lot of the details in this are very, very odd. Did you notice that Rachel Ziegler in high school is walking into a culinary arts class? No, I did There's not. a big sign behind her. I'm wondering if that's they're trying to make us hungry for then <laughs> Skittles. Wow. Wow. But- Either it's an elaborate like, operation. I just thought that was such a ridiculous detail. What high school has a culinary arts class? But yeah, I would say that at least this film isn't as dark and sludgy as so many of the recent ones have been. Did you kind of enjoy the slightly more poptastic aesthetic? I feel like I couldn't because what was poptastic was not good. What was poptastic was an advert for Skittles. So I I agree that. DC films definitely need more lightning, more brightening and going forward into like the next iteration, that's going to be like very, very key because it can't all be dull and grey and very serious. But I feel like Shazam would have been a really good vehicle for that. But I just feel like what their priority seemed to be was just, it didn't really match up. It didn't really show it case it. It was a lot of like, again, very questionable, overindulgent CGI and then quite loud in places, which for me is not the same as bringing like a brighter, like more pleasing aesthetic. So yeah, I I don't think it really did that for me. So I'm assuming that James Gunn is listening to your opinion at every uh, turn, David. What would you say to him with his new iteration of the DC universe that's coming up? Do we keep Shazam or, or leave him in the past? Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, it- I'm not. I'm not entirely up on the details of what is happening with this next phase of the DCU, and, and like, it would be really funny to me if like either this or Flash or Aquaman were huge, huge hits and caused Gunn to sort of like swerve back into the sort of direction it's already been going. But like, yeah, I I I don't know. I mean, I've got to say, like, I'm not a huge fan. Like, I really didn't like his Suicide Squad. I find his sense of humor like really quite grating and and juvenile and and I'm hoping he he doesn't do that with with the kind of upcoming DC projects. But yeah, in terms of this, if, if there's a reason to bring Shazam back, bring him back. I would say if if we, if we're searching for positives here, and I think I think we you, you, one always should. It was sort of like that sort of two star level that's even that's probably in a way worse than one star because it's just not even memorably bad. It's sort of like. Yeah, this is part. This is just getting a passing grade at every, like scraping a passing grade at every every turn. Find a reason to bring him back. Have someone sort of come come up with a really good story that uses the concept of Shazam in an interesting way, rather than the same way that it was used in the first film. Exactly. I mean, you have this character who has this unique thing, and then you have a story which is completely anathema to it. It's like anyone could be fighting this battle. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be Shajan. It's just anyone with some superpowers. And as we know, there are more of these people than people now. Superheroes outnumber people two to one now. So, like, you know, there's, there's so many to choose from. So, yeah, I, 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 re- I just hope that, like, in our kind of, like, you know, superhero huddled future, that there are more stories that are actually purpose-built for the, the actual characters rather than have the characters bolted into... Sometimes, you know, a really kind of bland, miscellaneous 
story but it's just you know we've got some bad guys and we need to kind of extend the mythology out this direction so it connects onto this other film Jay, do you, you want to get some scores on this in anticipation, enjoyment and in retrospect? Yeah, anticipation, I'd say three. I liked the first Shazam and I didn't have high expectations for this one, but I thought, you know, there's there's definitely places it could have gone. Enjoyment, two, I guess all the reasons above. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a lot that they could have done and just didn't do. And then overall, a two. If it's going to go forward into the new DC iteration, they've got to go back to the drawing boards because there's definitely good stuff in there. They just have to put the effort in. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't lose all hope. I quite like the Guardians films and uh, James Gunn is kind of who kickstarted the career of uh, the wonderful Dave Batista. So I will always be grateful to that. But yeah, I don't know, for me, maybe two, one, two. I mean, one, just because I think the experience of being in a room with a comedy when nobody's laughing is actually quite a... um, awkward one should I say and, and David I think safe to say you I don't think you even smiled <laughs> I think if, if I was actually quite sad that the, maybe the one saving grace was there was there was a bit near the end with one of the characters that I found quite moving I won't mention it just because I don't want to spoil it but like like it, it was like yeah it's to do with Helen Mirren's character and, and I think just more that I, I was quite moved by her her kind of the fact that she is like this legend in the industry and there's something just about her presence which I find quite moving. <laughs> and I, I can't really say more than that, but I'm a three two two for this one. Like I didn't think it was like it wasn't like Babylon levels for me. It was like very very kind of there's the there's the sequence where they're in the school cafeteria and they get served up like this the gruel and I was like yep. Yeah, that's what we're getting here, the gruel. <laughs> well, let's hope the next one manages to build on gruel. <laughs> uh, the bar is very low. Get some spice in that gruel. You could do something with gruel, I reckon, Layla. You're, 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 you're good in the kitchen. I'm very, yeah. I, what could you do with gruel? I think you could probably, I mean, when in doubt, reconstitute something into a small shape, drip it in breadcrumbs and fry it. Most stuff is then pretty good. You could get a little gruel beignet sort of thing going you you need to direct Shazam 3 that's it next up it's Rye Lane Yaz and Dom are two 20-something South Londoners reeling from bad breakups who connect over the course of an eventful day helping each other to deal with their nightmare exes and potentially restoring their faith in romance First up, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Vivian Opara and David Johnson who play Yaz and Dom about the film um, when the two of you were first deciding to become actors, did you have a sense of the sorts of roles that you wanted to play? Yeah, definitely. I think I've always wanted to do things that are, are different. And I don't say that to be, like, cool. I just genuinely did. I, you know, I, I, I grew up with a good sense of film, but also a good sense of theatre. Like, I, I really love, like, Sarah Kane and really dark stuff. And I definitely wanted to always do things that push uh, what we think. And I, I'm not sure I'm doing that just yet. I'm just, you are. Well, you are. yeah, thank you. I'm start, I'm, right. I'm starting out, so, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think I definitely wanted to play characters that I haven't met, and I'm wondering who they are. I think as well as, like, a black actor, I think a lot of the weird and more complex parts or, like, fantastical psychological villain parts, like, we don't see ourselves in those spaces a lot. The characters that you really get to, like, get inside and they're strange and they might have no redeemable traits, but they're relatable in a way which is really interesting and off-kilter. I think I wanted to see that more because I read read a lot of books. So in my head, I had, like, an extensive character library, but then when I'm watching stuff, 
I'm like not seeing me in any of these crazy kooky characters. So um always wanted to bridge that gap. But yeah, I think the more complex and the weird and stuff that you can really get out of body for and fully transform. When you first kind of came to this script, I mean, was there something in there that felt like, this is what I'm after, these are the sorts of roles I want to play, this is the sort of director and, and writers I want to work with? No, no, no. It's, it's a short, short form answer because I think for me, I was like, right, well, what have I just come off of? what's the furthest thing I can go to next? <laughs> and, you know, yeah, you get a script through like this, which genuinely was funny and vibrant on the page. But equally, I was like, well, this is a romantic comedy set in Peckham. And I was like, well, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be any good because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm either of those things. So it was nice to just be able to go right from left all the way to right. I don't know whether I fit in the romantic comedy world, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think I've seen like a character like Yaz before, especially in the romantic comedy space. Someone who's unapologetically like messy, chaotic, bit of a dick, but like takes accountability, like confident but insecure. I was just like, wow, she's, she's like a walking contradiction and she's got so much energy, like she steamrolls through the film. And I feel like, yeah, I was like, this is a, a challenge for me and I want to understand her motivations because who is she? The Peckham of it all. I feel like people in the cliches always be like, oh, the house is a character or the area is a character, but it, it, it like it, it is. It, 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 is. Is. <laughs> it literally is. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, like, what was your relationship to Peckham before this film? Was it area you knew well? Yeah, yeah, um, yes. And, you know, I'm an East London boy, so that's where we grew up. But equally, my mum my would do, like, buy her meat there. We'd, we'd go, that's what we'd, where we'd go, because I think it's just a little bit cheaper. Great prices. You know, my mum's the kind of person as well, where it's like, if it's 10 pence cheaper, it's cheaper. So, yeah. so we'd journey there. I got a lot of friends in, in South London, and, yeah, walking around there was, like, in a way, somewhere that I really knew. Also, in another way, you're like, oh, that is there, and that does look cool, and... I love the house. Some of the houses are just amazing. Yeah, loads of friends there. My sister said South London is the spot to get your nails done because it's cheap. Amazing nails down Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's carried on. Yeah, I associate South London with, like, family and love, like, and fr- like family in, like, a like friend way, you know? And music. It's a great melting pot for music. Mm. And so... I mean, obviously, areas change and stuff, but, like, do you think there was any there are kind of some misconceptions about what Peckham is actually like, that this film actually shows what Peckham really is. It gets to its spirit in a way that maybe it's not been really communicated before. Yeah, I think there's... I don't know if they're misconceptions entirely because, like, the portrayal of Peckham we've seen, maybe, like, the council estates and stuff, that's real, it's real, mm. it's real of the place, but it's just it's zoomed in onto that specific part of it, and that's valid. I think we zoom out and try to show, like, the melting pot that it is, mm. and you do get... The, the road man side by side to the middle class banker side by side to the auntie on her phone talking loudly like and all of that is Peckham and there wasn't one we were trying to elevate more than the other we we're just trying to show the vastness of the place in its entirety yeah and no, I think that's kind of what I love about this film mm. is that it's, it's um, like shining a bit more light on black experience without going like look at what you're not showing you know what I mean it's it's kind of seamless in a way and just like Vivian said is that uh, Peckham is, is 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 vast even mm-hmm. Peckham let alone us as 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 young black beings you know so I think this film does that in a way that feels different but also like real you mm-hmm. know I think I think um 
all we want to do is find the truth inside it. And I think, it, I think even all through the comedy and all the, the brightness, it, it is still quite like, oh, that's, that's still Peckham. Like, there's been a lot of chat with me and my film journalist friends about, like, how great the chemistry is between you guys. And it was, what do you think it was that actually made you guys so good together? No, do you know what? I, I really do think that Vivian is, is just hands down like a, a brilliant actress. Um, she gives so much and is entirely generous. I think once you have someone like that, you work in opposite who's as committed as you are you never feel a sense of like apologizing or a sense of like oh they don't there's no airs you know what mm-hmm. i mean i don't need to do anything so with that said then we can just be like well, what music do you like yeah and we just and then we just kind of have like a chat and we're having coffee trying to find the best chai latte for this one and <laughs> you know what i mean so we actually it was very easy but it kind of started from the work for me and you yeah yeah like I think you get a script through and you look at it and then like you put it to the side and you really just get inside the head of the character and who they are and you make their like internal emotional landscape and then you get in a room with a person and you're like whoa like I can see the world you created and I was just like and so weirdly the world you created around Dom and the world that I've created around Yaz like complement each other loads and then on top of you being an incredible actor and someone that I wanted to work with anyway and then I was just excited by the fact I was working with someone who was so hardworking, clearly, because the work, the, the character you created was awesome. And then I think that respect for the work ethic translated mm-hmm. into like a, who is this guy? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then the friendship ensues. Yeah. yeah. Really glad I don't have to sit between like two really tense people that clearly carry each other, but we're <laughs> such good actors that we <laughs> You know what? Remember, this is it's also our first film. So, like, we're, we've had the best time with this. I'm almost like, oh, God, what is it going to be like? Be like, no, I know. Oh, no. I know, hard act to follow. Yeah. In terms of all these conversations about how the rom-com needs to be resurrected, but there's a lot of stuff that kind of does need to stay in the past. Lots of more really sexist or, True. you know, basically yeah. the men were stalking women yeah. and stuff. Do you think that this film's got a less problematic portrayal of romance than kind of those older ones? I think it's just got a very real portrayal of, of romance where it's like you come as you are. It's not idealistic. People are messy. The girl's the dick. Everyone can be a knob and being a knob doesn't discriminate um mm-hmm. it kind of prioritizes like accountability and prioritizes truth and yeah moving in love and like not in fear so in that way i guess it's not problematic because those are just good things to live by and also like it's also kind of again it's kind of not trying to do anything anything is it? yeah you know, which is which i which again I, I really really do do like and i respect and people will always come up with their own like interpretations of things but this film just felt like it's oh that like he does ride shotgun on her bike, you know. Mm-hmm. That's just how it's gonna go, and and he can still like pick her up at the end and snog her. Like that's that's still real. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's not forcing any kind of view. It's just kind of like existing. I think that those are the best movies. Period. You mm-hmm. know, any agenda you put on things, we're very clever. I think we kind of do that. But by the way, all the other things you said about like the problematic things, yeah, that they can be. They can stay in that vault. They don't, yeah. they don't have to come out. Yeah, times have changed. <laughs> there are also, the, I think, there was a tendency for a lot of rom coms and films to kind of look very the same. And this yeah. film's got like really heightened moments, like bits that are like bordering on s- surreal. Yeah. Do you have any particular favourites in terms of those like fun flourishes? Oh man, I mean, you know, really, one thing we have, uh, I've got to give credit for is is to Rain Allen Miller, our director, who just Great. genuinely like. She has an eye and she knows how she wants things to be done. And yeah. I think as an actor, I don't I don't really like to know too much other than like what this is. So Rain would like 
take care of all of that and I can just do this. And it's actually something in retrospect that I'm seeing some bits. I'm like, oh my God, that was, that was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really large. I didn't know, I didn't know it was like that, but it worked somehow. And um, I remember that moment on the toilet, I was have crying his eyes out. I remember being like, yeah, I just wanted to feel a little bit And Ray's just like, I'm just going a little bit bigger, just a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And it, and it does work because we start like so high and, mm-hmm. and, and then you, once we get all the emotion out of the way, we're like, okay, right, we're just two people talking now. Mm-hmm. So she, she's done stuff that I don't think I could ever have imagined this film would be. That's kind of nice. Yeah, for me, it was a moment, one of the several moments which I love is when Yaz is telling her breakup story and there's the like hundreds of doms in the audience. Oh, right, so then yeah, we all do that thing when like, you know, when you're rehearsing an argument or something and like, you're like, you act as if you're talking on the, the most grand stage and to actually see that sort of so daydream strange. scenario, yeah. like materialize into like a hundred doms, not to mention you having to sit in every single, yeah, well, I won't even give away the magic. That was, um, I was just like, this is so silly in the yeah. best way, <laughs> in the best way. And it just little stuff, like, even in, in that scene, like, on the YouTube interface and what all the different videos are, like, just those tiny little details, like, yeah, they're great. They're great. They're really great. I mean, she's clearly an amazing director. Water. I mean, like, yeah. you kind of can't believe it. It's her first feature, right? It is yeah. her first feature. I mean, like, but... I imagine she knew exactly what she was doing somehow because I feel like this film can't happen by accident. Honestly, I mean, you know, she she always says that she never saw herself... I'm, I'm going to talk for her, but mm-hmm. she, she always says that she never saw herself directing a film that she didn't write. Mm-hmm. Um, but she spent two years developing these characters like, mm-hmm. way before we were, you know... Even. even yeah, so... She, I think she just really understood this world. I think it was originally set in Camden yeah. before it was set in Peckham and mm-hmm. she moved it to Peckham. I think she gave Yasmin so much and mm. and then, yeah, just knew what she wanted to see with this world. And, you know, some directors do that, but some directors do that and also, like, are, don't have to communicate that to the actors too much. They can just still, like, take what you get um, and not, like, shoving it down your throat, which is great. Yeah. yeah. She creates such, like, a rich lore. She could really make Lord of the Rings, I'm convinced. Like, because she's so good at just creating a world out of nothing. Just, like, her pure imagination and she just distills her curiosity for, like, the world around her into the most beautiful things, films, ads, shorts. The reception's been, like, so positive. I mean, like, Sundance, where it's, like, people have been probably don't even know where Peckham is. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, globally, but as well as, like, I know so many British people that have just fallen in love with this. Like, have you been surprised by the response, or did you just know that this was something special? We're just coming to terms with the fact that people have seen the film. Yeah, this really, you know, for both of us, like, this is, like, again, it's our first feature. Yeah. It's Rain's first feature. We made this, like, six weeks in Peckham, and we just... Little family, it's a little family. We just, I don't don't think we could have ever pictured. Then, fast track, fast forward to being in a Sundance theater with 500 people who really know cinema, no film, all like standing and clapping, yeah, clapping, raving over. Yeah, me and Viv just like, Like, I'm just gonna because it's very British, it's very British, you know. So, no, like, you know, that you know, I hate to do that thing of like, no, we have no idea, but genuinely, I don't think we, you know, this is just an indie film to us, and we just thought we're, we're gonna make a nice sort of movie that yeah. might be cool and and it seems people are taking to it right now so I mean, I'm thrilled because I guess there's something so universal about falling in love that like mm. it it doesn't really matter if you've never heard of Peckham yeah. <laughs> you think that 
British black people is just a Judas Elba. There's this scene that I absolutely love in the film where kind of an ex gets, I don't want to give any spoiler, but there is a mm. bit of a sense of like an ex gets a bit talking to and like, look how great I'm doing now. And do you have a sense of now? It's like you got a critically acclaimed feature in your bag. Is there anyone that you're thinking like, aha, look at my success? <laughs> I guess if, if you still care, like, what those people are thinking about, you're probably not over it. So pride wouldn't even allow me to entertain that type of thought. You know, I wish, I wish, sometimes I wish I was more that kind of person, but I'm, I'm, I've got such a short-term memory. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm keeping it Keeping it yeah. Yeah. Well, I aspire to no longer have the pettiness I have and be at this stage. <laughs> yeah, not one last thing. If so many people ask me this, are you guys going to watch this at Peckinplex? Because it does seem like yeah. that needs to be oh, done. Oh, of course. That's where the premiere is. Yeah, that's where the premiere is. Oh, yeah, so it's actually going to be in Peckham with everybody around. Where else? Actually, it wouldn't have been able to be anywhere we couldn't. else. Yeah, we had, we, yeah, we was, there was talks about doing other places. Would have made sense. Just, but no, it's, that, it's, it's, it's got to be such a community film. Mm-hmm. We just want to be able we to do that. That's what we want to be able should, to yeah. be there as well. So, yeah, it's tonight. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That is just the most wonderful returning glory. <laughs> yeah, and Pack and Black is such an important cinema. I think it's such an important cinema. Like, it's the, anyone can watch a film in Sony and Fire, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so great. it's, I'm so gassed that it's there. I love that cinema. David, I've talked to Zero about that cinema. <laughs> it, was like a, it was a joke between us, it became a yeah. meme. Yeah. How much I used to talk about Pack and Black. It's so Black. funny now where yeah. actually they're so Yeah, I know. Because you have no idea you can do the premiere. <laughs> but yeah, we can't oh. wait. I love that. That's perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Seriously, thank, thank you. you. Get my confused. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah. 
So Trey, let's start with you. I loved this. Um, did you also fall in love watching the people fall in love in Rye Lane? It's really, really lovely. I I really liked it. I'm smiling because I'm kind of like remembering how I felt at the end of the film where it was kind of just like, oh, that's nice. I like that, which I think rom-coms are supposed to do. Not all, um, which is why, you know, you need to find ways to reinvent the rom-com. But I do feel like it's a rom-com with a capital R when it gives you just a really nice, sweet feeling. And not everything that happens on the journey is so sugary sweet, but I feel like it's just really lovely. It will make you feel good as well as like keeping you engaged with the kind of storytelling, which is also very, very inventive as well. I mean, are you somebody that knows Peckham well? I know you and I are both proud North Londoners, but like in terms of a portrait of South London, did you kind of enjoy that side of things? Um, I did. Um, so yeah, as you said, I'm a North Londoner, so I can't say I'm in Peckham very often, but I have been. So I did recognise the background of Rye Lane and where they were walking, which is a nice like added touch because it's a film that... Yes, it's about love between these two, but it's also a love letter to London, as I believe the director has described it as. And you really feel it in this story where it's kind of these two young people who they've kind of had some bad breakups and, you know, their their perspective on love needs a little bit of work. And just in a kind of chance meeting, London is the background for them kind of kind of confronting the past but also learning things from each other in order to move forward in the future and the way that the film kind of in using London as a backdrop as they go from kind of place to place everywhere is very different the people who appear in and out of the frame are Sometimes it's quite chaotic and quite random, but there's a familiarity to it and a variety to it that really blends well in terms of the characters and the message of the film. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And David, we kind of mentioned earlier about how visually uninteresting and you know uncreative the filmmaking can be around these rom-coms. I mean, would you say that Rain Allen Miller perhaps had a bit more flourish than that? I appreciate that's a leading question. Oh, yes. No, lead away. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, let me get to that in one second, because I think it's very important to, 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 to bring, bring you up on something you mentioned before about this idea of being in a, in a screening of a comedy film and having that kind of atmosphere. Because whereas, whereas you say that, that Shazam 2 was this kind of like dead silence, the absolute opposite for this film. But I was in a screening and there were people like howling with laughter, screaming on the floor. That I mean, that just enhanced my love of the film even more, I think. You know, just, just the fact that it was like giving so many people such visceral pleasure. I think, I think there's so much about this film that takes the, 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 the time-worn rom-com template and is trying to do something new with it. And, it, and I think it does, does that in a lot of like subtle but meaningful ways and the way that Rain Allen Miller shoots it in this quite sort of, it's sort of subtly stylized way that where her where the where, where the where she's using these kind of very sort of like wide angle anamorphic lenses so you kind of you feel you feel you're really feeling like you're kind of like inside these places and these markets and you feel that there's a kind of do you know what it feels like it feels like the characters who you were kind of walking around with are in a little kind of goldfish bowl and looking out and they're just sort of like that it, it gives a given the feeling of being just sort of sectioned off from the world in their own little space and that, and that's kind of what it is there's a sense that they've kind of they, they, they have this meet cute they've connected and they're just sort of like they're they're with each other in the kind of 
the world the world around them is there but they're not necessarily kind of engaging with it like like you do when you kind of fall in love you're like you're, you're just suddenly nothing else kind of matters but and yeah I, and, and I think as well in the writing there's I mean it's it's a really funny script with lots of actually really good jokes and singers and surprises in it and I think that what's been done as well with the film is like is, is the I guess you call it like the pacing like it actually gives you these kind of quite long stretches where it's just the leads together talking having this kind of quite long conversation almost almost a kind of hark back to kind of the Richard Linklater before Sunset Sunrise movies you know like where, where, where you have like Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy just like walking around Paris having a conversation it's a really bold thing because I think like I think it would be an intuition of a filmmaker to think well how can we make two people just talking fun and engaging and it's like well you've just got to have really good performances and you've really good script and you've, and you've got to have two characters who have, have great chemistry with one another this film has all those things. There's this long section where they're in, they're just sat in a kids an empty kids playground in an estate, just having this conversation where they're sort of learning about each other, and it's just like you're like I could I could watch this for ninety minutes easily. It's just it's like it's so fun and juicy and charming that you know I think it has it, it does have all these quite sort of subtle innovations that that that, that sort of lift lift it above the kind of maybe, maybe the kind of rom com that Kate Hudson has in her head. Yeah, I mean, now that you've put before sunrise in my head, I would just thinking that how great would it be to revisit these characters in 10 years? Maybe they've come to North London by then, Che. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. <laughs> I would love it. Honest Grove. How? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been said again that you kind of can't fake chemistry. It's either these characters either have it and you believe in their love or, or you don't. I mean, for you, Che, I think I suspect I know the answer, but like, what, did you kind of enjoy the actual chemistry between Yaz and Dom? Did you like believe in them and their connection? Yes, like it's there like right from the start. So I obviously recognise David Johnson from Industry, very good show. So I kind of came into it like expecting him to be really good, but also Vivian Apara, like I think because they play opposites. So again, it's that quintessential rom-com tale of like, he's more of the withdrawn kind of type yeah the type of the type of person who I if I remember correctly he's not really into spice make of that what you will but she's very vibrant very forward and to him it almost feels overpowering when they meet but at the same time it's kind of it's a very fine line where you can see their differences and how maybe her way kind of puts him off and him being so withdrawn makes her kind of have to drag a lot out of him but at the same time their chemistry is so clear that you can see that over time the two of them will take something from each other she'll bring him out of his shell because also he'll also get under her defenses as well because there are reasons why she is how she is and again that's explored in them confronting their pasts but they have a very easy natural chemistry that you kind of just see and it kind of doesn't wane throughout the film you remain engaged and interested in where it's going as they go on their different kind of adventures you you know they have their ups and downs but you really just believe in these two and um I can't spoil things that happen in the end but there are things that happen between the two of them that are very very lovely and sweet and I think should be up there with the classics in terms of gestures so to speak yeah they sell it from the start to the end oh, I can't wait to go and see this in a crowd I watched it at virtual Sundance so I didn't get to have 
that that experience but yeah I've, it's it's got to be peck and plex and a big kind of tango <laughs> ice blast to, to, to maximize hey, this. product placement well you know speaking of product placement i do think that it is interesting that clearly you know we had the skittles in the last one but i wonder whether peckham council needs to be giving this film some money because i've like i don't want to eat skittles i want to move to peckham though basically i won't i won't abandon north london but like i've never seen such a kind of wonderful advert for a place that I think is often misunderstood as either being a bit gritty or a bit kind of too hipster. I agree. Those are kind of the two images. Yeah, and that's very important. It's important. It's may, it means something that it does take place in Rye Lane, like somewhere that is quite traditionally working class, especially growing up in North London. It was very kind of like, oh, Peckham, like we don't, you know, like it's, you hear things about it, but it, it actually takes it and makes it somewhere that it has always been a place of like variety where love happens, where, you know, things can happen to anyone. And I feel like that's also part of the love letter to London. It's showing London as it is, but also showing it in all its its very random beauty as well. Uh, I know I know it's bad form, but like, you know, compa- comparison to Shazam, one of my kind of general bugbears about most Mark, like superhero movies, Shazam takes place in Philadelphia. And it's this kind of like absolute sort of, you know, what we actually see is this completely desolate, empty streets that like it you know it looks like it's kind of an ai rendering of a, of a city like has like people aren't sort of like visible in it there's no you know it's an empty you know oh look we're in a completely empty warehouse oh look we're in a completely empty rooftop oh look we're in a completely empty baseball field like there's this kind of sense of there's this, there's there's something dead-eyed about about landscape in in those films and and, and it, it, it always the case and i remember the the really big impressive fight scene in in i think it was like the second Captain America film in, that happened in an airport. And everyone was like, wow, that was an incredible like ensemble fight scene. I was like, I just couldn't stop looking at this kind of airport where there was like no people in it. I was like, where, where is everyone? <laughs> anyway, but this offers such a symptom to that. There is, there is this kind of like vibrancy. And I think what Raynella Miller's instincts, let's actually put more people in and you have these random people just sort of wandering in the background. And there's, they're, they're kind of, it plays on that sense of like, this is my area and I recognize these people. And like by the end of the film, you start to recognize the people in the background and the locations and the architecture and every, everything. It's like, and I, I find that so moving when, when people respect real landscapes and the kind of humanity of where people live. It kind, of, it kind of roots a drama in something that's like real. Like you can't ever really be worried that Philadelphia is going to get like blown up because well it's empty you know it's it's empty and it doesn't look like a real place so like what 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 are the what are the stakes there whereas here it's like i'm 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 actually like rubbing shoulders with real people and i'm I'm here i'm here on the ground you know i want to go to morley's me too it it feels like at any moment the camera could kind of switch and then just kind of follow two other people and there's like a full film also happening in the background Oh, God, what a wonderful film. Uh, Che, do you want to go with your scores uh, in anticipation, enjoyment and in retrospect? Yeah. So for anticipation, I go for a three. So I recognise David Johnson and I was like, oh, rom-com, that sounds cute. So I'd give that a three. Enjoyment, I'd give it a four. I laughed. I felt for the characters. I really liked their chemistry. And one thing I will say is that it really meant a lot to see two black Brits fall in love. Like it was just 
really nice to be able to see yourself represented and again just watch them get caught up as we've seen in so many other films and enjoyed in so many other films but to see that happen to someone that looks like me I feel like there's a lot for audiences to really enjoy here and even if that's not you and your experience I feel like what's really been communicated is a level of relatability that has always been there and I feel like people need to be able to see that these things can happen and you can care about it and relate to it it doesn't have to look like you so again I really really enjoyed it for that reason overall I think the only thing that maybe kind of took some of the shine off it for me and some of the jokes was maybe in the latter half where I did still find it funny but I felt like maybe some of the jokes felt a little bit too sketchy and stuff that I had maybe like seen or heard before so I think overall for me I would give it a three. David what about you? I would probably go for a three four four you know I I think I came to it pretty cold you know it's first time filmmaker and sort of two actors that I, I, I wasn't really familiar with and then yeah I, I just it was just really surprising and and delightful on, on many levels. Me, probably four in anticipation. We just seem to be on a very good wave of first-time British female filmmakers making really great debuts. Five in enjoyment. I'm not a huge rom-com person. I kind of, you know, if I actually get swept up in something, it, it's quite rare and I absolutely adore it on the occasion that it does happen. And then four in retrospect. I, th- I thought it was lovely and like everyone involved. I can't wait to see what they do next. Next up, it's Film Club. In Bargies on the Beach, a group of young women of Indian descent take a trip together from their home in Birmingham to the beach in Blackpool. The women vary in age from hormonal teenagers to bitter older women and initially have very little in common. But the events of the day lead them to mutual understanding and solidarity. So, David, we've gone from a love story in Peckham. Would you say this is a love story to Blackpool? Yeah, I would, actually. It's, it was really fun to see, to see this, this movie again. The first time I watched it, actually, was I think my mother rented it out of a video shop. And I, I, I think when I, I must have been like 14 or something, 13 or 14. And I think I just watched it with her as a kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm bored and I want to watch TV and you know, this is on. So it was in that age where like when you rented something from the video shop, like you'd have it overnight, but you try and watch it like three times. And I, I think I, you know, I remember yeah, it well. I watched it, I watched it again <laughs> with my brother and then we watched it again from over breakfast the following morning. So I'd had a real like intense Bargy on the Beach introduction, but then had yet to see it since. And I've, I must say that my, you know, in the, in the interim years, I, I think Gurinder Chada has, the, the, the director has kind of, has had a bit of a sort of mixed run of it. Like uh, she's she's made some some pretty bad films, I think, and some some a couple of sort of medium ones. And I actually watching this, I have fond memories of it, but what's it really going to be like? I, I'm not I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I I can't really get a handle of its reputation amongst kind of British uh, in the sort of realms of British cinema. But actually, like it worked really well, and 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 I think that and it might just be a kind of '90s thing or you know, a time when, when films of this ilk were allowed to be a little bit more kind of confrontational and, and deeper about politics and, you know, difficult difficult circumstances that, that people find themselves in. And 
I, f- I find that w- w- where sometimes the, sometimes the filmmaking is a little bit lacking, as 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 you would expect of a first time filmmaker. I think like Mira Sayal's script really kind of goes deep into a lot of like stuff that we talk about a lot, like you know generational trauma and like the expectations of tradition and and feminism amongst sort of second or third generation immigrant populations in the UK and. Like it, it, it kind of deals with a lot of that stuff quite head on. Like race, like I think, and I think one of the interesting things it does as well is it, 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 it kind of deals with racism, like uh, like anti South Asian racism among the group of women against the black guy who is who is the boyfriend of one of the, of one of the younger characters. And it's really like it's kind of a film that doesn't really kind of let anyone off the hook, and and it's kind of powered by this this question. So you, you essentially have this. Date, like this, this group of, of women have gone on a day trip to Blackpool on a, on a coach from Birmingham. And one of the characters is a woman who has recently filed for divorce from her husband and is taken the, has got custody of the child. And the question mark that hangs over your head the whole film is like, well, what, what has he done to make her do this? And the film kind of hides that until quite late on in the film. And you, and you kind of, the mate, the mate, the sort of central drama is like, well, the people seem to know what have, what have, what has happened, but they don't quite know, and it's kind of teased out. And, and, and that that idea that keeping keeping that sort of secret till the end is a really it's just a really nice way of like building up a sense of tension and drama to this kind of quite quite violent showdown of the of a, of, a, of a type you might see in a kind of like Ken Loach or a, or, or or Shane Meadows film. But yeah, no, I really liked it. I really liked it too. I mean, I have to say I was quite nervous coming back to it. Similarly to you, my grandmother rented this for us back in, I guess it would have been the 90s. And I think I'd kind of seen a couple of things where people had talked about how they didn't like this South Asian representation because, you know, it does show that kind of darker side and they felt that it kind of bought into some stereotypes about, you know, the way that the men treat their women in their marriages or, you know, those sorts of like issues. And I actually came to it and I think it's I think that's a very unfair criticism I think it's just a very complex and very truthful portrait of that it's not a monolith and there's myriad different positions and issues Che I know uh, you hadn't seen this before what was your experience watching Bajis on the Beach for the first time so no I hadn't so the first Gurinder Charter film I had seen was Bend It Like Beckham uh, which was huge and maybe Angus thongs and and perfect snogging so I was very in my young teenager bag at that time but yeah it was really cool to be able to go back and see kind of where she started from and I enjoyed it like I feel kind of like you said like it doesn't shy away from showing some of the issues within that community and what I found interesting was how yes it did show a lot of the anxieties of being a you know a, a British Asian woman and reconciling you know being in Britain and and also being raised by traditional parents in in the women's side, but it does also comment on again some of the how some of the stresses can affect the men in that way. And yes, of course, it, it probably is something that did make some people criticise it, but I think it. It does show the realities, but it also shows a lot of light things, fun things as well that are also true. One thing that really stuck out to me, and I really like the score in particular, and I think I've had it in my head, is um, when they're when they're hitting the I think it's the M6 coming from Birmingham, and they're playing Summer Holiday, but sung in a I think it's either Hindi or Punjabi, and I loved it because I just think it's the perfect way to show 
the juxtaposition of the film, which is that, yes, they're going to the seaside, to Blackpool, to, to have their seaside chips, which they do also put seasoning on, which I thought was great. But they are also very much Asian women, and that's where they're from. So it's just a meeting of the two cultures. And I, yeah, I thought it was quite bold and really, really interesting. Oh, well, I'm glad that you got to have a good and enjoyable film club after we made you sit through a Skittles advert. <laughs> we should move on to uh, the final bit of the podcast where you two will recommend one thing that is not a movie. David, you want to go first? What is your non-movie recommendation? Well, I, I think I, I have to... I can't remember what I recommended the last time as a non-movie thing, but... I, it was a video oh, game, God, yeah. I think. It, it's going to be another one, I'm afraid. So, so long, long story short, in the late 90s, I, I became obsessed with this game. It was a really big popular game called Final Fantasy VII. And uh, mm-hmm. it came out like bang on the time when I was doing my A-levels. And basically my sort of fixation with this game meant that I kind of, I kind of flunked my A-levels because I was just like absolutely in the zone with this game. When I, when I got my results, I was like so traumatized that I, I said, right, I'm not playing any computer games again. And I gave my, my PlayStation to my brother I went off to university and, and I, I'd say for the best part of 20 years, I did not touch a computer game, had nothing to do with it. During the pandemic, I kind of wheedled my way back a bit. And th- this game, it's basically a remake of Final Fantasy VII. It was very kind of pixely, where they've taken this big sweeping epic story that, that sort of powers the, the game and made it into this very kind of sweeping cinematic spectacle and it's a very strange experience it's quite it's in, I, I find I'm finding it really enjoyable and also quite like you know it's got a kind of Madeleine quality to me but like a, a kind of poison Madeleine in a way because it's taken me back to quite a, a dark time in my life so but I'm kind of powering through anyway and uh, I, I'm enjoying it so yeah that's like that's Final Fantasy 7 the remake I also slightly underperformed on my on my A levels, probably because I was staying up all night watching movies rather than studying. Oh, doing that, as and well, I do yeah. look back on that, and I think long term that was the right yeah, choice. Exactly, win win. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe now that memory will be reframed for you, and you will no longer feel bad about it. Would, would playing this game now is certainly giving me some kind of like life closure. So it's strange thrilled for you um jay what about you well it is a video game i'll go the video game route slash tv route and recommend the last of us so both the game and the tv show so i remember when this game first came out i i don't know i I, I've always sort of I'm a semi gamer, let's say. So I grew up watching my my brothers playing and never really got to play. And then as I got older, got a, a switch and then have gone from there. And now I form like quite a good team with my partner. So essentially the button bashy games I can play, but the ones that require actual strategy and timing, he'll play and I'll consult on the actual strategy. But it's brought us to The Last of Us. So I remember when it came out, but I wasn't confident enough to play it at the time but then when I heard that the show was coming out this year I kind of wanted to know ahead of time what was going to happen because I'd heard it was really critically acclaimed and yes there's two parts I've played part one 
cannot recommend it enough. It is very, very emotional, quite dark in places, but it is a really good game in terms of, you know, the apocalypse has happened. And yes, there are some scary nasties out there, but really it's it's the people that you, you kind of need to watch out for them. And the TV show um, that I think's just finished is no exception. If anything, it takes what was already a really brilliant game and expands on it in ways that are really, really great, like ways that are very inventive, but still true to the source material. It kind of just really intelligently adapts to the medium. So I would recommend The Last of Us, the game, if you haven't played it. And I would also recommend the TV show if you haven't watched it. I love it. We're, we're all working through some stuff. You've forgiven your brothers, it feels like, for not letting you play when you're younger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are forgiven. I mean, now they want to come around and play on my PS5. So, you know, it all, it all goes round. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's brilliant. So if you've got thoughts on these films, you can email truthandmovies at tcolondon.com or tweet us at LWLies. Next week, it's another action sequel in John Wick Chapter 4. Brandon Cronenberg puts Alexander Skarsgård through the holiday from hell in Infinity Pool and will be talking to its star, the incomparable Mia Goth. We'll also be reviewing Leah Misu's spooky psychodrama, The Five Devils. And for Film Club, it's another reminder to stay at home in 1971's Wake and Fright. Thanks very much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Truth and Movies is hosted by me, Leila Latif, and my guests this week were David Jenkins and Chayan Bensi. The podcast is produced by TCO London and edited by Bob Stankus. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.